Good morning online. Thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. My responsibilities are community and outreach, and uh, it is good to be with you this morning, uh, even though I'm feeling a bit empty uh, today. And, uh, but I know that when I'm empty, God is not. And uh, so we're going to trust Him for good things this morning. Amen? Continue to pray for uh, Scott and his family. They are wrapping up a few days of vacation and getaway, and uh, they think they're headed home today. Uh, and so we want to make sure we pray for them as well. But uh, I, don't, I don't know where we first heard this, Melanie and I, but it's something that has resonated with us over the course of our lives in ministry, that you are either in a valley, you are just coming out of a valley, Or you're about to go into a valley. The valleys are a given. It's just where are you at in that process. You're either in it, you're praising Jesus, you just came out of it, or you're hoping you're not about to go into it. But there's going to be valleys in our lives. And uh, we're going to see that today as we start looking at Uh, Moses and the people of Israel again, we're going to look at some of the valleys and the victories that they experienced uh, in their journey in the wilderness. Now we're going to back up just a sec, just a little review in case you're just joining us for the first time or you maybe you missed some of the messages, but we're in the, the midst of this series on Moses, the shaping of God's servant. And so Moses was a Hebrew or an Israelite. He was born to Israelite parents in the land of Egypt. And when he was born, his family were slaves in the land of Egypt. Been slaves for uh, about 400 years. Uh, forgotten, long forgotten maybe the promise that God had made to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that one day they would occupy the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and that they would be a blessing to the rest of the world, to the rest of the nations. That that's what their calling, their goal was, was to be a blessing. That's what God had chosen them out to be. But that seemed like a far-off, distant promise at this point when Moses was born. Because, again, they were slaves. But his parents had great faith. They put Moses in a little basket out in the Nile River where he was found by the princess of Egypt. Uh, Through God's sovereignty and some planning on the parents' part, Moses actually was raised for probably the first 12 years by his parents Uh, taught the ways of his culture, the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then around the age of 12, moved into the palace where he got the greatest education that was around at that point in time and grew up as a prince in Egypt. About the age of 40, he saw what was happening to his countrymen and one day felt bad about an Egyptian beating up one of his, abusing one of his uh, fellow countrymen, and so he took matters into his own hands, and he killed the Egyptian. And when he found out that Pharaoh and the rest of the people knew what was going on, he fled. He spent 40 years in the wilderness, so he had 40 years in Egypt being prepared for what God had for him. Then he had 40 years in the wilderness, maybe a valley time, being prepared for what God had for him. And then God meets him at the burning bush and says, I'm choosing you to go set my people free. 
And then last week, Scott unpacked. We didn't delve into the plagues. That's something you guys can delve into. Because at any point in time, you shouldn't just take verbatim what the guy on the stage is saying, okay? You guys need to get into the Word yourselves and make sure that what we're saying is truth. Uh, You each have one of these, either paper copy or on your phones. uh, And so we want to make sure that you are studying for yourselves. But uh, last week, uh, we brought the Israelites to the edge of the Red Sea. The Red Sea on one side, the Egyptian army on the other, and God's deliverance of the Egyptian people. And that's how we're going to pick up today. And we're going to, because the narrative today, we just want to kind of unpack it as it goes. We're just going to read the scripture as we're going through it today. But we're going to be in the book of Exodus, second book of the Bible, uh, in uh, fifth. 15 is where really the content for the day starts, but we're going to back up and actually start in Exodus chapter 14. But before we do, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example of those who have gone before. Thank you that in the midst of the valley or the victory that you are present. And God, I pray that as we look at Moses and how he responded to the victories and valleys and we look at the people of Israel, how they responded to the victories and valleys, that you would show us, one, how we have been responding, and two, how you would desire us to respond. And may we see you and your hand at work in our lives, whether we're in a valley or we're in the victories. Lord, you do your work today. You speak. You move. You bring glory to yourself, in Jesus' name, amen. So, again, last week we were in Exodus chapter 14, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Here we have uh, the people backed up against the Red Sea, Egypt on one side, the Red Sea on the other. For the Israelite people, this would be a valley moment, don't you think? Surely we're going to die. Where are we going to go? We have an Egyptian army, we have the Red Sea, what's going to happen? And while the people probably were fearful and in a valley, we see Moses standing up in the midst of that valley. And Moses answered the people, Exodus 14, 13, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, you only need to be still. Now, isn't that a contrast to what we do in the valleys? When we're in the valley, what are we doing? We're fighting, we're digging, we're trying to figure it out. We wanna, we're going to solve this problem ourselves, aren't we? We're going to figure it out. And what's Moses tell the people? He doesn't say, pick up your swords, get ready to fight. He says, be still. Because you're going to see God at work. You're going to see him moving. And the other interesting part about this is a couple of verses before, we saw that God's presence, the cloud of his presence, the fire of his presence, actually moved between the Israelites and the Egyptians. When you're in your valley, you don't have to claw and fight your way out. We can be still because we know that God is with us in the midst of our valleys. When we're in the valley, we got to trust in God's power and in God's provision. The biggest valley that any of us 
can be in is the valley of being separated from God. And that's how we were all born. We were born separated from him because of what the Bible calls sin. It started with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and everybody born since that time is born separated from God because none of us can do enough good to ever get to God. None of us can claw our way to God. None of us can go to church enough to get to God. None of us can put enough money in the offering to get to God. None of us can read our Bible enough to get to God. We can't do it. We're separated. We're in the biggest, deepest valley we ever could be in. And God knew it. And that's why he sent his son Jesus. He sent Jesus, who was perfect, 100% God, 100% man, because he didn't want you to be, remain in that valley separated from him. He wants a relationship with you because he loves you. So Jesus came and he lived among us and eventually he allowed people to crucify him. He didn't have to die on that cross. He could have stopped it at any point in time. But he said, no, I'm going to do it because I don't want you to stay in the valley. And he died on the cross and he came back to life. And because of his power and his provision, he can forgive your sin. He can give you hope and joy in the midst of your valley. And he can give you eternal life. And that's something only he can do. Amen? And you can receive that today. You can receive his gift of salvation today in the midst of your valley. We can trust God's power and provision. And the thing I want you to remember today is that God's grace is visible in the victories and the valleys. Sometimes we only think it's visible in the victories. We see it. We go, oh, I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful. It's so great. But when we're in the valley, we struggle to see God's grace. But I'm telling you, God's grace is in the valley as well. When the Israelites were there between the Red Sea and the Egyptians, God was with them. His presence was between the Egyptians and them. And we know from the story from last week, Moses raised his staff, and God came, and he parted the waters. And I can only imagine, as we were singing that song, great song, great song choice this morning, Ryan, singing the song about Egypt, and I was just envisioning them walking through those sea torn apart. Man, talk about visual imagery in a song. And I'm like, the Israelites, what it must have been like to be walking there with this torrent of water. Because I'm sure it wasn't just still. It wasn't like a glass wall. I mean, I don't envision that at all. I'm like this torrent of water just kind of churning there, waiting to rush back. And the clamoring of the Egyptians behind them, it just, this experience must have just been overwhelming and intense. And God's presence was there. And God delivered the people. Let's read from Exodus 14, just a few verses. Verse 29, the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground, not muddy ground. You catch that? I mean, this is ocean seabed. I don't know if you've ever gotten out in some of the seabed. It's like, I don't want that in my toes. But they're dry ground with a wall of water to their right and their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the seashore. They went from the valley of what are we going to do to the victory of look at how God provided and how he took care of us. 
And what do they do after that? Moses leads them in song, praising God. Exodus 15, the first 18 verses is all a praise and a song, rejoicing about who God is. And then we had Miriam who finishes the song. Let's read it. It says, um, there we have the Israelites saw that mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord, put their trust in him, and in Moses' servant. Keep going. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. And this is what they sang. Next verse, Miriam saying to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. In the midst of the valley, God's power and presence was with them. In the midst of the victory, they paused and gave praise to God who was with them. In our victories, we need to be giving glory to God. We need to praise him. You know, the challenge is when good things happen, we try and take the credit for ourselves, right? Look at what I did. That's so, I'm so amazing. And God's like, look at what I did in you, through you, for you. We train our mission teams. One of the principles that we talk about is expect miracles. And we use a verse out of the book of John where, where Jesus says, the works that I do, greater works than these shall you do. And I'm convinced that here in America, we don't see God do more miracles because we're too ready to take the credit for ourselves. Instead of in the midst of the victory going, look at what God did. Look at how amazing he is. Because God's grace is visible in the victories and the valleys. Do we give God praise and glory in the midst of the victories? And it's one thing for the Jews to stand there against the Red Sea with the Egyptians all drowned in the sea and praise God. But they still had the wilderness ahead of them. We praise God in the victories. Do we keep praising him when we get to the valleys? So let me just pause and give some context here. Um, first of all, uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 37 says that there were 600,000 men in the Israelite troops. I don't know why they didn't count the women and children, but if we were to go conservative estimate, we're looking at 1.5 million people cross the Red Sea. It wasn't just, you know, a band of merry men. 1.5 million people. And Moses has to lead these people. I mean, I've led mission trips with like 12, 15, 20 people max, you know. And it's like herding cats. I can't imagine 1.5 million people. Do I even know what is going on in some of the groups? What's happening with those people? 1.5 million people. And let's, I want to put a map up. And I just, and Scott and I chatted this week. Um, he used a different map last week than I'm using this week. Uh, there is some, there's lots of different archaeological evidence out there. There isn't, we don't have uh, a Google Maps from the day of the Egyptians. That just it wasn't there. 
And so there are differing perspectives, differing maps, different ideas of how the Israelites may have traveled and where certain locations are. So uh, Scott's map yeah, last week had Mount Sinai over here. Uh, the map I'm using this week has Mount Sinai here on the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, and so um, there's no set place. So a couple things for you to take away from this. One is, again, you need to study yourselves. You need to be in God's Word. Don't just take verbatim what is you hear on a Sunday morning. The other thing I want you to remember is I don't want you to get caught up in details of here. This is just to help give you context. But don't get so lost in the details of where a place might be that you lose sight of the point of what God's trying to communicate in the passage, okay? Uh, so in the map I've got today, um, we got the land of Go- Goshen up here. We thinking the Israelites crossed the Red Sea here. Again, it's a little bit of a, you got nowhere to go. You got the Red Sea, you got the Egyptians, there's nowhere to go. After they cross, then they headed down the Sinai Peninsula. And again, 1.5 million people, they're not going to move anywhere very fast, right? Uh, I mean, you tried to get your family ready for church this morning. Nobody moved very fast. And there was just, you know, a few of you. Um, But again, remember, God's been equipping Moses for this day. Remember when he had 40 years in the wilderness, figuring out how to move in the wilderness, how to find water, how to go different places. Uh, And so we're going to pick up the narrative in Exodus chapter 5, verse 22. Um, So they crossed the Red Sea, they're headed down. Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur, For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. Now, kind of need water, right? It's important for my body. It's important for my kid. It's important for my flocks. Uh, I need some water. I'm traveling three days without water. Uh, We travel. We, you know, take a mission team out. We're flying. we We land. What's the first thing most of us do? We hit the restroom and we find that little water bottle filler thing because we're thirsty and we need to get some more water. Uh, And because water is important. So they travel in three days and they don't have any. So what do you think starts to happen? You think they're praising Jesus still like they were at the Red Sea? All right, God's awesome. Look what he did. What do you think the response is? What would your response be? What would my response be? Let's keep going. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why they called the place Marah. Keep going. Keep Next verse. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, What are we to drink? Went from the victory right back into the valley. And when they got back into the valley, they didn't look to God's presence and his power. They grumbled and they complained. And they grumbled and complained at the person that was most close to them that they could easily see and put their grumbling on. They put it on the leader, on Moses. And it's easy sometimes when we're in the church, right? and we don't like what's going on, what do we do? We grumble and we complain to the leader. But who were they really grumbling against? What? God. 
Because God's the one who led them into the wilderness. God's the one who took them to that place. God's the one who take them down into the valley. And they started to grumble. Much like we do. Much like I do. God, I don't like it here. I don't like the hard times. I don't like having not going without. I don't like suffering. I don't like struggle. God, when are you going to do something about it? But look at Moses' response. Keep reading in the passage. Moses cried out to the Lord. He didn't grumble and complain. He'd been in valleys before. He had the valley leaving Egypt. He had the valley of 40 years in the wilderness. He had the valley of trying to get the people free. He knew God's presence was there. And he cried out to the Lord. Because God's grace is visible in the victories and the valleys. It's there in the valley. We just got to be looking for it. Now, I've always had really good eyesight. My wife, my kids, they hated playing the alphabet game with me in the car, you know, driving down and trying because I, I could see it and I'm grabbing it, I'm grabbing it, I'm grabbing it. But the last couple of years, it's a funny thing about age, I have glasses now. I do. I don't like to wear them very often, though. Matter of fact, I don't wear them all the time. I mean, they're the, the, the progressive thing. I could wear them all the time. My eye doctor gives me a hard time for not. But it's interesting when I don't wear them, particularly in the evening when I'm trying to read or do some work on my computer or something, things start to get fuzzy. My eyes start to get tired. And things just aren't as clear. And if you've ever had issues with your eyes, you know what that's like. With glaucoma or cataracts or just, you know, eyesight issues. And it's hard to see the clarity of things, right? You have to be intentional. And sometimes you got to squint. Or I could just put my glasses back on, right? But i got to look. And it takes work to look and to see and to focus. And when we're in the valleys, that's what we have to do. we got to put our eyeglasses on we got to squint we got to pull out our binoculars we got to do whatever it takes so that we can look for and identify and see God's grace in the midst of that valley and that's what Moses was doing and when Moses cried out to the Lord this is what God's response was Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him. Instead of Moses complaining and trying to solve it and trying to figure it out, he went back to God and said, God, I need your vision. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. And God showed him in the midst of that valley. Go to the Lord in the midst of your valley. Allow him to show you. God showed him a piece of wood. What's special about this piece of wood? I'm sure there were lots of pieces of wood out in the wilderness. God showed him this piece of wood. He threw it into the water. And the water became fit to drink. Huh. I I don't get this particular little miracle in the wilderness. Why it took a piece of wood. What was going on in the background. I can't begin to understand how it all worked. All I know is that the people needed clean water. They grumbled 
Moses went to God, and God showed him a way out. Because God's grace is visible in the victories and the valleys. When we're in that valley, sometimes we got to look back. If the Israelites could have paused for a minute and looked back and gone, look what, remember what God did in Egypt with all those plagues and setting us free? Oh, and remember what he just did three days ago in the killing the Egyptians and letting us go through on dry land? But we forget God's goodness in the past. And we think, well, he was good in the past, but is he still going to be good today? Well, of course he's going to be good today because that's his character. So in the midst of that valley, i got to put my glasses on and I need to look back and remember his goodness. And I need to look up and cry out to him and seek his grace. Because his grace is visible in the valleys and the victories. So now we have good drinking water. Everybody's excited. We have drinking water. But then a little interesting thing happens in the narrative. God provides drinking water, but then he also comes to them, and as, uh, he says, the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. Did God put them to the test in the valley or the victory? In the victory, right? Because we have clean water right now. We're drinking. We're excited. Woohoo! And God comes to them. And puts them to the test. Next verse. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So in the midst of their victory, he's going to put them to the test. Not because he needs to know what their character is made of, but because they need to know what their character is made of. Because in the midst of our victory, again, we come back and start depending upon ourselves for the victory. And God wants us to remind us, no, the victory came from me. And I know that when you're in the valley, it's easy for you to cry out to me because you're in the valley but are you just as ready to continue to follow me when things are going well? And he says, look at this. Listen carefully to me and do what is right. That's a challenge to you and I. Whether we're in the valley or the victory, that our job is to come to him. We need to be studying his word. We need to be finding out what he is, who he is, what he wants for us. And we need to be following in obedience. Are you obeying God? Has he been nudging you? A couple weeks we talked ago, we talked about the excuses we make. And were you ready to give those excuses to God and follow through on what he asks of you? Are we listening? Are we doing what he says? Are we paying attention? And I love this phrase here, I am the Lord who heals you. This is one of the names of God from the Old Testament. Jehovah Rapha. The God who heals. God has many names in the Old Testament. They all have special meaning. This one, no matter what's going on, whether you're in a valley or a victory, God wants to heal. 
because he loves you, because he cares about you, because you're special to him. But he knows in the midst of those victories, it's hard for us to keep that dependence upon him. It's like Joshua. The end of the book of Joshua, they'd already, many years from this point, they'd conquered the promised land. They were settling in it. They had great victory. They were finally in the land flowing with milk and honey. And Joshua calls the people together and he says, choose who, this day whom you're going to serve because I know now that things are good, you're going to have trouble following through and obeying God. But in the midst of our victory, we need to come back to his word and we need to continue our dependence upon him. So at this point, if we go to our map, they crossed the Red Sea, and Mara is right here, where the water was terrible. God provides clean water there, gives them the command to follow him, and then they continue down just a little bit further to an oasis called Elam, and they camp there for a little while, where there's an oasis full of good water. Another victory. We can rest for a minute. We can regather ourselves after the valley now that we're on the victory. And I find it interesting as you just kind of walk through this, that sometimes in the midst of our valleys, God intervenes directly, like he did with the wood and Moses. You're in this valley, you got no water, here's some wood, here's a miracle. You got clean water. Sometimes God intervenes by changing the circumstances. Led him to an oasis where there was plenty of clean water. And sometimes, in the midst of your valley, God intervenes by giving you the grace to sustain you through the valley. And I know sometimes when we're in that valley, we're looking for the miracle and we want God to give us that wood. Or we want God to give us that oasis. But more often than not, I think that it's he gives us his grace to endure the valley and to see his goodness in the midst of it. Because God's grace is visible in the victories and the valleys. So we move on from there. They, they're in Elam. They got the, the 12 the springs. They camp there for a little bit. And then they move on from there. And they head further into the wilderness to a place called the Wilderness of Zin. We're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 16, verse 1. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they'd come out of Egypt. So they've been traveling for a month and a half. It's been just a month and a half since they had the, the Red Sea experience. They come out of Egypt, traveling for a month and a half, keep going. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. You know why they complained against Moses and Aaron? Because they had no food. They went from no water to now no food. Look at what they, how they grumbled to, to Moses and Aaron. We're going to keep reading here. Verse 3, the Israelites said to them, If only we had died in the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out here into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Now, what was their state in Egypt? What? They were slaves. They were oppressed. 
But what are they remembering about Egypt? <laughs> the food. Isn't it interesting that we have this nostalgia for the past and we only remember the positive and not the negative? And now they're in the midst of this dif- difficulty and what do they want to do? They want to run back to Egypt. Keith Green, old Christian artist, had a great song about this. You know, you want to go back to Egypt. And that's what we do. We hit a problem, and what do we want to do? We want to run. We get in that valley, and we want to run. We want to flee from the problem. We want to go back to something, to something that we think is better when we have something that's even best waiting in front of us. Because what... Think about it for a minute. The Israelites had what waiting for them? The promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. All the food they could want. Freedom. And what are they thinking about? Egypt. I remember a season where Mel and I were in our first season of ministry, first ministry we were a part of, and we had run into some conflict. We'd butted some heads with some people, and um, there was some conflict going on. And at the same time, there was a camp Uh, actually here in Washington, that we had some dialogue with that was interested in hiring us, bringing us on staff. And we're like, hmm, I'm in the midst of the valley. I'm in the midst of conflict. I'm in the midst of difficulty. That looks really good. Surely there's no conflict there. And we had a really wise mentor say to us, if you think God's leading you to that, great. Great but you need to deal with this first because if you don't deal with this, it's just going to follow you there. When we're in the midst of the valley and in the midst of the difficulty and we want to run, we got to remember we can't outrun our problems. We need to work them through. We need to process them. We need to deal with them. Whether they're problems we've created or things that have happened to us, we still have to work it through. we got to work it out. We have to... Figure it out. Otherwise, it's just going to follow us. They wanted to flee in the midst of their valley. They'd forgotten that God's grace is visible in the midst of the victories in the valleys. Let's keep reading. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So God's saying, I know you're in the valley, but I have a plan to give you a victory. And I was going to try and figure out how to just give you a snapshot of this passage, and I realized I can't do it. We just got to read the whole passage. So we're going to keep going here. Verse 5, on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other day. So God's going to do a miraculous provision, but he's, what he does, how he works, is never going to be contrary to what his word says. This is important, because I think sometimes when we're in the midst of the valleys, and we think God's, God's told me to do this, or God's working in this way, but it isn't true to Scripture. See, he'd already given them the command then on the sixth day you're going to rest. So whatever he does is not going to contradict himself or his word. So if you come to me and say, I believe God's doing this, and it's not in line with this, I'm going to say, I don't think so. Because God's not going to contradict himself. 
He's going to do a mighty miracle, but it's going to stay in with the commands he's already given and with who, what his character is. Keep reading on verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know it was the Lord, not you, not anybody else. It was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Verse 7. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against who? Him. When we grumble and complain, when we get stirred up, it's, we're complaining against God. It's showing our lack of faith and obedience to him. When we start grumbling, we're saying, God, you're not big enough. You're not in control. You don't care. That's what we're saying. And God knows it. It's not against Moses. It's not against the elders. It's not against the pastors. It's not against the leaders. You're grumbling against God. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Verse 8. Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all, all the bread you want in the morning. God doesn't provide just, Oh, here's, the, here's your little scoop. I hope it's enough. Oh, all that you need. Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Verse 9. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Verse 10. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Now, have the people eaten yet? Have they seen the meat yet? No. Have they seen the bread yet? No. But God's presence was with them in the midst of the valley and in the midst of their grumbling God was with them verse 11 the Lord said to Moses I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread then you will know that I am the Lord your God verse 12 that evening quail came and covered the camp and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp when the dew was gone Thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. Amazing miracle. Verse 14. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? Which in Hebrew is manna. That's where the word manna comes from. It's they came out in the morning and went, What is it? It's got a name. For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. Verse 17. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. In the middle of your valley... God's provision is just what you needed. He's not going to give you too much. He's not going to give you too little. Because he is a God who knows, who loves, who cares, who's intimately involved in your life and wants to be intimately involved in your life. And he knows what's best for you. So in the midst of your valley, when a provision starts to come, don't go, well, how come I didn't get their provision? Because you didn't need their provision. You needed what God gave you. And God gave you the grace for the moment, the grace for what you needed in that moment. 
not more, not less, because God knows and God cares, and everyone gathered as much as they needed. Verse 18, then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. Interesting command, but that's what God said. Verse 20, however, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So in the midst of our valleys, our tendency is to grumble and complain. And in the midst of our victories, our tendency is to get greedy. Oh, I like this, God. Give me some more. Or, I don't know when the next valley is going to come, so I need to make sure I'm protected and I'm going to grab some more. Or, I just want more and so I'm going to grab it. And it's easy for us because we want to shield ourselves and we want to protect ourselves and we want to manage things for ourselves and we think that if we can gather more and more and more of whatever it is, funds, resources, family, relationships, power, you name it, but if I can give that, get enough of it, it can insulate me from the valleys. But it's not. It's not going to insulate us. And it's just, again, going to show our selfishness and our lack of dependence upon God. I know that for me, it's easy for me to grumble in the valleys and get greedy in the victories. And I forget that God's grace is visible in both places. So what's all this mean for you and I? Right? It's a great story from thousands of years ago. I love watching how God worked and provided. It's an interesting contrast, I think, between the Israelites and Moses. Now, Moses didn't keep it all together. I We keep reading the story through the book of Exodus, the stubbornness and the rebelliousness of the the people wears on Moses and eventually he loses it. But in this little journey right here at the start of the wilderness, we see Moses do a couple things. One, he's very quick to rely on God. It's God who's going to provide. Look to him. In the midst of the valley, look to him. And in the midst of the victory, to give the praise to him. So three thoughts as we wrap up here. One, the first step to seeing God's grace in the midst of the victories in the valleys is to surrender your life to him. And if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, you've never asked him to forgive your sin and come into your life, today would be a great day to do that. At the end of the service, we're going to have some people down here to pray, and we would love to pray with you and help you have a relationship with Jesus. If you are a Christ follower, I have to ask the question, what problems have you been trying to run from? Maybe they're, again, they're things that have happened to you. Maybe it's abuse that you've, been at the, you've suffered at the hands of others. Maybe it's your own misfortune. Maybe it's mistakes you've made um, because of your own poor choices. And we're trying to run from it. We want to go back to better times. We got that nostalgia going on in our head. But you can't run from the problems. We need to sit in the midst of it. We need to surrender to God. It might be confessing, God, I screwed up. I know that I messed up in this situation, and I want to give it to you, and I want to ask for your help. And there's still going to be consequences we got to work through. 
It could be that you've suffered at the hands of somebody else and you need to acknowledge that. You need to realize that. You need to get some counseling. You need to get some help. You need to surrender again that to the Lord. What problem are you running from today that you need to give to God? You need to sit in the middle of that valley and you need to look for His grace. And then finally, you need to be intentional about looking for God's grace whether you're in the victories of the valleys. It could be a small answer to prayer. It could be His provision. It could be, I don't know what God's grace looks like in the midst of your valley. But I want us to be intentional about looking for it. And so at the end of the service, as you leave, there are going to be some people with just a little... uh, little eye chart. And the eye chart says, God's grace is visible in the victories and the valleys. As a reminder, to put your eyeglasses on, to be intentional, and to look for God's grace. Because if you're not in a valley, you're going to be in one soon. It's just the way it works because that's the refining place. That's where God shows up. That's where our faith grows and deepens. I know for Melanie and I, the valleys that we've had to walk through, we wouldn't have written those into our story. Matter of fact, we've tried to rip those chapters out of our story. But it's in those chapters that we see God show up. And it's through what we've seen God do in those valley times that then we have the opportunity to be minister to others in their valleys. Because God's grace is visible whether you're on the mountain or you're in the valley. So don't grumble and don't get greedy. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power, your might, your majesty, your care, your provision. Thank you that your provision is just enough that everybody had what they needed. God, I pray that you would deepen our dependence upon you. Give us eyes to see your grace. Help us to be quick to give you the praise and the glory and the victories and not take it for ourselves and not to get greedy to try and insulate ourselves from the next valley, but to just revel in your victory. And in the valley, Lord, help us to cry out, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Because God, we declare today, individually and publicly as a church, that you are God and we are not. That you are great. How great thou art, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and worship with us?